0: This episode of Stroke of Genius is sponsored by Cargill. In theory, most people can see the value of collaboration. They understand that working together is a good thing and that different perspectives often lead to better outcomes. But what if collaboration is not just beneficial, but critical to our
1: survival? Let's take Fukushima, for example. The reason why Fukushima flooded and burned up was because they failed to put in watertight doors ...to protect the electrically driven emergency cooling pump. In case you don't remember, the Fukushima
0: Daiichi disaster was an energy accident that occurred in 2011 at the Fukushima Nuclear Energy Power Plant in Japan. The incident followed an enormously powerful undersea earthquake, which triggered a tsunami that was nearly 50 feet high. The waves infiltrated the plant's seawall flooding the basement, and disabling the emergency generators required to cool the reactors. The loss of cooling led to three nuclear meltdowns. One year later, an independent investigation commission determined that the causes of the accident had been foreseeable and preventable. That's
1: a mistake I'd never make. I can't design a nuclear reactor, but I can see the water filling the basement. And the thing that I have learned about the mathematical mind is they don't see the water filling the basement. We need our visual thinkers, and we need our visual thinkers to prevent problems. Welcome to Season 2
0: of Stroke of Genius, a show exploring inventions, the inventors behind them, and the role intellectual property plays in dreams becoming reality.
1: I love the fact that one of the reasons for developing patents originally, both in the U.S. and in other countries, was uh, to preserve knowledge. I'm your host, Andrea Madho.
0: I'm a startup founder, a CEO, and co-inventor with patent-pending technology. This season, we are featuring inventors from all walks of life who see the world with a unique point of view. In this episode, we'll explore why we need to celebrate differences and reimagine an educational system that empowers the individuality of the mind. To explore this, we spoke to one of the most influential minds of our time, Dr. Temple Grandin.
1: I am an extreme visual thinker. Everything I think about is a photorealistic picture. And it's very specific. Like, for example, if you say dogs to me, I'm seeing very specific dogs. For example, the dog that Cheryl, my assistant, owns. I'm now feeling him running around on my lap. When the patent office started, you had to have a model. Well, back when the patent office started, visual thinkers reigned supreme. Another kind of thinker is the mathematical mind. These people think in patterns. You know, now today you're getting patterns on more mathematical things, like artificial intelligence and computer programs. And that would be more the mathematical type of mind. And the third type is very, very verbal, where they mainly think in words. Acrimonious, adamant, advantageous, aeronautical, alluvial, ambidextrous. And if I ask them about a common object, like a church steeple, they might just tell me a very vague, pointy thing. But we need to have all the different kinds of minds, because when they work together... They can complement each other. Temple Grandin was one of the first people on the spectrum to
0: publicly share and write about her first-hand experience with autism. She has written numerous books on the subject of neurodiversity, and in 2010, her groundbreaking memoir Thinking in Pictures was adapted into the acclaimed HBO movie Temple Grandin, starring Claire Danes. Today, she's a noteworthy public speaker, but she was completely nonverbal until she was almost four years old. As a child unable to get her words out, her only way to communicate was to scream. This often led to violent outbursts, which were difficult to pacify because she resisted physical affection. Luckily, she had advocates early on who saw her innate potential, who simultaneously challenged and encouraged her.
1: I had great mentors as a child, starting with my mother. She always, she had a really good sense of how to stretch me. I remember one time she drew a little picture of uh, my brain was floating up in the sky over my head that I needed to pay attention <laughs> As she matured and changed schools, she became increasingly
0: alienated from her peers. Navigating adolescence is tricky for most, but it was especially difficult for Temple, who already struggled to perceive social cues and relate
1: to her classmates. High school is the worst part of my life. That's when, you know, teenagers get interested in boys and all that kind of stuff. I wasn't interested in any of that stuff. I was interested in model rockets, electronics, and riding horses. And the one place where I had friends was through the shared Interests. I think it's really important for these kids that are kind of different to get friends that like to do, you know, stuff together. You know, like fly model airplanes, or uh, you go do Pokemon Go, or just anything where it's a friend through a shared interest. Her mother saw the value in developing new interests and frequently
0: pushed Temple out of her comfort zone, most notably when it came to visiting Aunt Anne's cattle ranch.
1: When I first went to the ranch, I was afraid to go. and Mother was said, you can go for a week and go all summer. Not going wasn't an option. And once I got out there, I loved it. The summer on her
0: aunt's Arizona ranch was a life-changing experience for Temple. There she encountered horses and cattle, observed their routine care, and saw how these animals reacted to humans and their physical surroundings. Time Magazine wrote about this chapter in her life while featuring her in their list of top 100 most influential people. Quote, As a person with high-functioning autism, Grandin is intimately familiar with the sensation of being overwhelmed by sights and sounds. When she was young, she related her feelings to the behavior she observed in cattle on the ranch. The insight has led her to create designs for sweeping curved corrals intended
1: to reduce the stress experienced by animals being led to slaughter. Students have to be exposed to things to get interested. I get asked all the time, how did I end up in the cattle industry? Because I came from a non-cattle background. I was exposed to it as a teenager. It's that simple. I was exposed to it in a boarding school I went to. They had a dairy there. And I was exposed to it on my aunt's ranch. There's no way for a student to get interested in something if they're not exposed. I was not a good student when I was in school. But in elementary school, the things that saved me were the hands-on classes, sewing, art, and woodworking. Remember,
0: Temple is a visual thinker, so hands-on activities take on a theoretical concept and ground it in reality.
1: I was always interested in science, and I always liked inventors. And when I was a child, I had a book about famous inventors. And it was things like The Sewing Machine, The Grain Reaper, The Steamship. Uh, these were have all been really clever, kind of visually-based uh, mechanical engineering. But unfortunately, my original book, and this would have been back in the 50s, it was all male inventors. And I wanted to change that in this book. The book she's referring to is her
0: most recent, Calling All Minds, How to Think and Create Like an Inventor. It's a guidebook for the curious, but it's also
1: a call to action. Well, I'm concerned that a lot of kids are growing up today totally separated from the physical world. In my book, Calling All Minds, I have a lot of simple projects like a paper airplane. And when I did a book tour for Calling All Minds recently, I was horrified to find out that at one place I went to, oh, good third of the children, these are elementary school children, had never made a paper airplane and flown it. I think that's really bad. You may be thinking, what's the big deal? It's just a
0: paper airplane. But for visual thinkers like Temple, a paper airplane can be a jumping-off point to learn advanced skills and grasp complex topics. In her book, she offers templates for paper airplanes alongside facts about aerodynamics and the history of flight. To bring these ideas to life, Temple includes original patent drawings from the early 1900s, lovely sketch diagrams that are as beautiful and fun to look at as any storybook illustration. You can
1: see some of these patent drawings yourself by clicking the link in our show notes. Those are fun patents for kids wingtips on airplanes and the scalloped uh, back of the engine because it's so simple a child can understand them. They are shapes and they can be mathematically explained. But the picture just shows very, very simply the shape of it. Uh, some of the drawings on the old patents are better than some of the drawings today. They were really uh, beautifully done. Maybe that has more to do with how the nature, maybe some of the inventions are changing because we're getting away from the more visual thinking, mechanical engineering, to um, computers designing things. Patents are not the only area that reflects the shift from tactile drawing to computer imaging. What I'm seeing today is there are some students that don't even know how to use a ruler, and it's important to get people doing hands-on things. Inspired by
0: Dr. Grandin's rallying cry for more hands-on learning, we sent our producer Jackie out into the field with a copy of Calling All Minds and asked her to spend a day tinkering
2: with a couple of kids. Thanks, Andrea. So, as she said, the goal was pretty simple. We wanted to take a copy of Temple's book and head out and actually do one of the hands-on activities with some kids. Luckily, a friend of mine has two awesome boys who were willing to spend the day tinkering with me. I started off chatting with Jack. He's seven, loves sports, loves reading, and he's done a little experimenting before.
1: Well, I have this, like, um, science kit in my room.
2: And we were also joined by his little brother, Will, who had a strong reaction when I told him what we would be trying. We're gonna make a water balloon out of paper. What? <laughs> Why does that sound crazy? Because, because it's really crazy, it's really crazy. That's right. We're doing Temple Grandin's water bombs. We gathered our supplies, paper, scissors, crayons, and then we got to work. Essentially, the first thing you do is make a perfect square from a piece of paper. And then you fully color in both sides with crayon so that the paper is coated in wax. So we color this. Yeah,
1: you color the whole thing so it doesn't come out. Rather
2: than practicing the activity beforehand, I thought it would be a fun idea to come in with fresh eyes so that the kids and I could tinker and figure it out together. I just thought it would be more in line with what Temple writes about. As it turns out. This was sort of a bad idea.
1: This is getting tough.
2: Which I should have seen coming because I've read Temple's book. And in it, she says again and again, making things means getting it wrong sometimes. I mean, half of the activities in her book have a little note at the end of the instructions that say, heads up, this may not work the first time. You're going to have to tinker to figure it out. And this is something that she learned
1: at an early age. My grandfather was an inventor. He was one of the co-inventors of the autopilot for airplanes, and they had to tinker to get the magnetic coils to work. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And what he finally figured out is that the trains that were underneath his workshop were affecting the uh, magnetic field because he was renting a loft over where they fixed trains. And the person that he worked with on the autopilot was a guy that probably be labeled with autism or Asperger's today. He came up with the idea... And my grandfather goes, yeah, I can make it work. Again, this is the different kinds of minds working together. Temple understands the value
0: of collaborating with different kinds of minds because it is a core value that makes her own work possible. Many of her books are co-authored. She explained that before you determine
1: how well you work with others, you must first identify what works well for yourself. The first step to have a good collaboration is to recognize how different people think differently. Like, when you recognize this, you can see how the different skills complement each other. Calling All Minds is an example of me collaborating with a verbal thinker, Betsy, total verbal thinker, non-scientist, and coming out, I think, with a really great book. She just does some really beautiful writing. And this is what Betsy wrote on page six. When the first man landed on the moon, he planted an American flag on the surface to symbolically say, we got there first. When inventors create something... They go to the patent office with their new creation to declare the same thing. This was first. This is original. Patents protect inventors' work by preventing others from stealing their ideas and often many years of work. Patents themselves tell a remarkable story of human ingenuity to serve a greater public good by preserving knowledge.
0: In Temple's book, patents are artwork. They're storytellers. They're badges of honor, recognizing originality. But the definition of original has shifted in the patent world, and we asked how that related to some of her most influential ideas.
1: Well, on my squeezing machine, it, which you can read about in Thinking in Pictures, and the drawings are in Calling All Minds, I basically um, modeled it after a cattle squeeze chute that's used to hold cattle for veterinary work, and I wanted to patent it. And Mr. Carlock, i um, back in the um, late 60s, said that I could not patent it because it was a new use for an old thing. In other words, if I use a wheelbarrow to plant flowers in, I can't patent that. And I regret that now because something like Google Patents, where you can just look them up, was beyond my wildest imagination. And if I'd known that something like Google Patents was going to exist in the future, I might have done it. But I'm kind of kicking myself now while Temple's innovative
0: ideas have not necessarily translated into numerous patents in her name, her work on deep pressure methods for autism therapy has been cited in at least 23 notable patents and continues to motivate a new generation of inventors.
1: Well, that makes me really happy. One of the things that the Squeeze Machine um, inspired was the Thunder Shirt for dogs. And I worked with a wonderful lady named Camille King. She's a really good scientist. what how the Thunder Shirt would work for separation distress So she left a bunch of dogs alone in the kennel with a video camera on them and a heart rate monitor, and the dogs that had the tight undershirt, so they got the pressure were um, less likely to stare at the door waiting for Camille to come back, and their heart rate was a bit lower. So it showed that it did have some effect, and that was inspired from some of my work. And that makes me happy. Dr. Temple Grandin's ideas and designs have inspired
0: more humane treatment of animals in various sectors and industries. Temple had an innate ability to see her physical surroundings as variables in an experiment. But it was through hands-on activities under the guidance of supportive mentors that allowed her to thrive. A notable mentor in her life was her high school science teacher, Mr. Carlock.
1: What he did was um, given me lots of interesting projects to get me interested in studying. So studying became a path to a goal of becoming a scientist. Mentors are extremely, extremely important. Mr. Carlock tasked a young Temple with creating
0: an Ames Room optical illusion, and the challenge nearly pushed her past her breaking point.
1: When I built that project, the science teacher didn't tell me how to make it. I had seen it in the Bell Labs uh, film, and it's shown very nicely in the right, HBO two. movie. All right, one page. The best up the perspective. That's right, Temple. It was a room built with distorted perspective. But how? Well, do you think you could figure it out? Maybe if you visualized it? And if you build one, I'll give you extra credit. And he wanted me to figure out how to make it. And then he did give me one little hint where he let me look at a picture in a textbook for about five seconds. Because he wanted me to figure it out. And I spent several months trying to figure that out. A lot of kids today brought up on electronics are terrified of making a mistake. Well when you work with physical things, you're gonna be making mistakes because it doesn't always work just perfectly. Jackie here again.
2: Things are not going perfectly. We started off strong with the coloring. But then we moved on to the folding, and things have taken a turn. We have read and reread, folded and unfolded, and we're lost.
1: We know how to make a water bomb
2: and I am starting to lose the confidence of the kids. Will, especially, who was already skeptical, is completely on to me at this point. You don't really understand. We're trying to figure it out all together. After a grueling hour, we finally break down and we call in our visual thinking lifeline. My friend's husband, a successful stage designer who surely can point us in the right direction. Dan, we need a visual thinker. Can you help us? (laughs) So what are you trying to make? After about 20 minutes, he hits his breaking point. I don't
1: know. There's no going back, Jackie. (laughs) We've lost
2: even our visual thinker. (laughs) And it's here that I have an epiphany. Tinkering is just a cute word for a very frustrating experience. So many of the inventors featured on this show have mentioned tinkering and the need for perseverance in the face of failure. But I didn't fully appreciate how frustrating it is to get things wrong again and again and to keep trying anyway because you're committed to the goal. It didn't matter that we were three adults trying to troubleshoot a children's activity. We were determined and we were not alone in this experience. Temple is a world-renowned mechanical engineer, but
1: even she still needs to tinker sometimes to get it right. As a grown-up, I went back to recreate them for the book, and I had to do some tinkering because I didn't have the same materials that I had as a child, and it makes a difference. One of the projects is a little helicopter that you make out of one of those wind-up airplanes where you just take the wings and the tail off, put an index card on it so that the fuselage wouldn't rotate, and it would go straight up in the air like a helicopter. So I went to duplicate that, but they had this really cheap little plane now, and I couldn't get it to work. So I just started cutting more and more pieces off of it, trying to lighten it up. And when I finally got it to fly, after spending about two hours on it, I was so happy. It was sort of like I was back a kid again. I'm 70 years old, and I'm really excited. that The stupid little thing went about 20 feet up in the air, but I had to tinker. Slight differences in materials matter. The ability to
0: perceive these slight differences is not universal. Some minds are more likely to catch them than others.
1: You still need to have the visual thinkers, because sometimes the engineers make visual thinking mistakes that are very, very obvious. So you need us to prevent those mistakes.
0: As Temple found with her model airplanes as a child and again as an adult, slight variations can have an enormous impact. We open this episode with a visual thinking disaster to illustrate the real-world consequences at stake when these variables are lost in the design process and minimized in the training. When we spoke to Temple in March, she brought up the Lion Air crash as another example of engineering error. Shortly after our interview, a second Boeing 737 plane crashed under very similar circumstances. In both cases, small adjustments combined with a lack of communication led to catastrophic outcomes.
1: That was another visual thinking mistake. They made this plane super fuel efficient, which made it more prone to stall. And I knew all about stalling from my toy airplanes because you chuck that toy airplane, it will go up in the air and stall. And then if you have enough altitude, it will dive and then it will um, recover and fly. And they forgot to tell the pilots that they'd installed a computer that when the plane stalled, it would shove the nose down.
0: Automatically shoving the nose down put the plane in a kind of nose dive. The pilot repeatedly pulled back on the yoke, but the plane was stuck on the automatic setting. Adding to the panic and fear, the pilot was almost completely in the dark about what was happening to the plane.
1: They didn't tell the pilots that this plane could have changed characteristics of its up-down steering of the yoke. The flight data shows that despite all efforts, the pilot
0: was no match for a single malfunctioning sensor.
1: See how basic that is? In all the math and all the abstract patterns, they didn't see a pilot pulling back on the yoke 26 times. But that's a visual thinking mistake. That's what that is. But somebody has to ask the really basic question, well, what happens if that little fragile sensor that's on the side of the plane breaks tells the plane it's stalling when it's not? You see, engineers calculate risk. I see the risk. I see a fragile sensor and maybe some piece of equipment at the airport gets up against it somehow and breaks it, that's seeing risk.
0: In her book, she talks about the contributions that live beyond the inventors.
1: We asked her what she considers her greatest contribution. Well, probably one of the most important things will be um, showing that visual thinking is important. And we need to be not screening these kids out. What you have to do with these kids is you have to stretch them. You don't throw them in the deep end of the pool, but there's a tendency to overprotect. When I see super smart kids, a 12-year-old, 14-year-old, 16-year-old, fully verbal, and they're not learning things like shopping. They don't know how to shake hands because nobody's taught them the correct distance to stand, how much pressure. These are kids I've seen in the last year and a half just at conferences. While
0: she's observing limitations, Temple doesn't focus on the deficits when offering solutions.
1: I want to see everything that a kid can do there's a lot of these kids where the skills will show up around third or fourth grade that's when my drawing skills showed up and my mother always encouraged my art and encouraged me to draw lots and lots of different things and you might have a little mathematician kid well let's give him some math books and there's all kinds of fabulous stuff you can find on Google of images on mathematics and nature You got a third grader that loves mathematics, I'd be showing them fractals and a whole lot of things like quasi crystalline graphene. You know, there's some third graders that would eat that stuff right up, but if you don't show it to them, there's no way they can know about it.
0: Her book is basically a map for exposure designed to train a future of self aware, capable young collaborators because through experimentation, they gain a greater understanding of themselves, their skills, and their weaknesses, so they can seek out collaborators with whom
2: they can do great things. We are so close to going outside. Our team has rallied. We've reviewed some additional resources, and suddenly, our paper balloons are looking pretty good.
1: Wow!
0: Yeah, he made it. Yeah.
2: I have to tell you. When we blew into that little paper box and saw it expand before our eyes, we were very excited.
1: Whoa. I did it! I'm, I knew it.
2: We filled them with water. And finally, we went outside. All right, so where are we going right now? Outside, downstairs, outside. We agreed ahead of time. The only target of these bombs would be an unused garage door. do throw them at
1: throw them
2: at me. And then, everything happened so quickly. Okay, so we have reached the garage door. Can oh, oh. Hey, gotta get one. Go ahead, Will. Oh. Was it satisfying? <laughs> it went by so fast. After three hours of tinkering, the payoff was over in a matter of seconds. I was worried the boys might be disappointed. But instead, their first question was, could we make more? Uh, can we make more <laughs> Well, Let's see. Let's go look at what we
1: got here. I want kids to get out there and just um, try all the hands-on activities in the book in, uh, in Calling All Minds. They're going to have to tinker to get some of the things to work. You know, they might start out with easy stuff first, like cutting out the paper snowflake rather than some of the harder projects. And I want to get kids out doing stuff. Get them out doing stuff in the real world. Thank you to our guest, Dr. Temple
0: Grandin, and to our tinkerers, Jack, Will, and their parents, Bernadette and Dan. And special thanks to our episode sponsor, Cargill. You can learn more about Temple Grandin and see some of the patents featured in today's episode by clicking the link in the show notes. I'm Andrea Madho, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Stroke of Genius. This podcast is produced by Atwell Media on behalf of Intellectual Property Owners Education Foundation. Please rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app or wherever you listen to your podcasts.